0: Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Have you ever Have you ever read a verse of Scripture? And you, you know, I'm, I'm sure many of you have read the Bible over uh, several times, but you know you've seen that verse, but you just didn't see it the way you saw it this time. You ever, you ever had that experience? You think, I mean, I saw that ver- and I know, I know I have read that verse, but I never saw it like that before. My son, Jonathan was preaching several weeks ago and he mentioned a verse. He didn't preach on it. He just mentioned a verse. Job 29:15. And it simply says this: I was eyes to the blind, and feet was I to the lame. Eyes to the blind and feet to the blind. to the lame. I'll talk to you about that for just a few minutes tonight. C.T. Studd said, I know I have failed when after I preach, someone comes up to me and says, I enjoyed that sermon. because sermons are not intended to be enjoyed. They are intended to challenge, to provoke, and to discomfort us. After that deaf presentation, preacher came by and he said, how are you doing? And I said, why did you do that right before I preach? God wants us to be eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. And maybe he wants us to be ears to the deaf. Heavenly Father, Thank you for what we have seen and heard tonight. Thank you for stirring our hearts with the great music and uh, with that heart-wrenching and moving presentation of the deaf. Thank you for Brother Jones and his vision to start churches in the Philippines. That is the answer that is the solution to the chaotic, horribly confused world in which we live. And I pray that you'd help us these few days to focus on those who have never heard, those who are spiritually blind and spiritually lame and spiritually deaf, who desperately need the message that we have. We have sung wonderful hymns tonight, and can it be saved, saved by the crucified one? But there is a world out there that has never heard that and never will until we get serious about getting the gospel to them. Now bless the next few minutes, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody here ever heard of Michael Medved? Michael Medved is a conservative, uh, radio host, talk show host. I heard him say something several years ago. He said, the only hope for the survival of sub Sahara Africa is Christian evangelization. And one thing that makes that so impressive is Michael Medved is a Jew. Does it strike you as strange that a Jew can see that the gospel is the answer? But a lot of Christians can't. I'm sure you know about the sorrows and the difficulties that came to Job's life because God allowed Satan to try Job's faith through great affliction. It's doubtful that anyone else has ever suffered all of the losses and the pain that Job suffered. Job did not know it at the time, but God was paying him a compliment in allowing all of this. I doubt that Job felt that he was being complimented any more than you do when you go through The trial with which you're struggling. But God knew that Job would pass the test. God knew that Job would not curse God and die. God knew that Job would remain faithful regardless of how difficult things became. But Job did not know that. James 1 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience. Someone said whom God greatly uses, he first allows to be deeply afflicted. Perhaps that's why so few of us are greatly used. We are not willing to be deeply afflicted. If we do all we can to avoid even discomfort and inconvenience, how much more do we do to avoid affliction? Embracing hardship is not a In a modern-day Christian's DNA. In chapter 28 Job extols the greatness and the power and the majesty of God. Perhaps Job is thinking if God wanted to, he could change this. But for some reason he does not. It takes great faith to keep trusting God and to keep serving God and to keep loving God in the midst of the kind of affliction and heartache and loss and shame and pain that Job suffered. Faith is obeying God when you do not understand what he is doing or why he is allowing you to suffer or what he is asking of you. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, but God always honors that kind of faith. Chapter 29, Job expresses his longing for the good old days. He reminisces about the days when he was highly esteemed and respected and regarded. When Job walked by, everyone stopped what they were doing. When he spoke, everyone listened. He was greatly respected among the leadership of the city. In Job 29.1, we read this. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, oh, that I were in as in months past as in the days when God preserved me when his candle shined upon my head and when by his light I walked through darkness as I was in the days of my youth when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle when the Almighty was yet with me and when my children were about me when I washed my steps with butter and the rock poured me out up rivers of oil when I went out to the gate through the city when I prepared my seat in the street The young men saw me and hid themselves and the aged arose and stood up. The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me. And when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. This is where Job came from. This is what he had become accustomed to. Leadership, wealth, power, position, family, influence, affluence, respect. But look at the first verse, the first word of verse 12. Job lists all of these privileges in which he had lived. And the first verse in verse 12, first word in verse 12 is because. Why did Job enjoy all of those things? And here it is, because I delivered the poor that cried. And the fatherless, and him that had none to help him. Job says that all that he had acquired, all that he had become, his fortune, his fame, his family, his influence, was because of how he treated the less fortunate. And in verse 15, he says, I was eyes to the blind, and feet was I to the lame. That, my dear friend, is true greatness. Job is saying that his greatness, his esteem, his influence, his position, his wealth, his power, even his family, all of God's manifold blessings upon him were due to the fact that he helped the helpless. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. What a great truth. God called Job the greatest of all the men of the East, not because of the great possessions listed in Job 1, 3. Job's greatness was not because of his wealth. His wealth, on the contrary, his high and lofty esteem were because of his greatness. And the true greatness, his true greatness, was because of how he treated the helpless, the widow, the fatherless, the defenseless, the poor, the blind, the lame. This reminds us somewhat of what, uh, 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 what Jesus said in his first public discourse in Luke four eighteen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to captives, recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Because, because I delivered the poor that cried. And the fatherless, and him that had none to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Wow, what a testimony. Job's remembrances take him back to the time when he was recognized as a leader among leaders. He was a busy man, he oversaw what today would be considered a great empire. With that great empire came great responsibility. He had to meet a payroll. He had to generate sales and, and, and supervise purchases. He had to deal with uh, what uh, government relations, uh, uh, regulations were there. He had hundreds of employees that looked to him for guidance. Job had position in the community and in, in the government. He took part in decisions that affected every person in the city in which he lived. He had a great family. Ten adult children, their spouses and their children. Every one of them had their own house. During those days when a young man was to marry, he went to his father's house and built a room in my father's house or many mansions. He built an addition onto the house of his father. These men had their own houses. He had a great wife. I know what you're thinking. What about curse God and die? How would you like to be judged by four words that you spoke in a moment of desperation? I was born in Fort Worth, Texas, May 25th, 1900, none of your business. W.A. Criswell said, if Fort Worth is where the West begins, Dallas must be where the East Peter's out. I was born at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday because my dad got off work at 1 o'clock. I was a very considerate child. Most children are born in wee hours of the morning. Uh, I did not want to discomfort my parents, so I was born at a, at a, a, a reasonable hour. I was born on a Friday. I did not go to church on Sunday. The next Saturday, I told my mom, "I said, Mom, I feel so bad about not going to church tomorrow. Uh, uh, last Sunday, would you please get me up tomorrow and bathe me and dress me? I want to go to church." There's a spirit of unbelief in this place. <laughs> Since that second Sunday of my life, I have attended church every Sunday, except for providential hindrance. Until I preached a sermon about ten years ago called three cheers for Job's wife. I had never heard one single positive comment about Job's wife, but I got to thinking about that. No man is as successful as Job was in politics, in finances, in business, in family without a good wife at home. Who do you think homeschooled those 10 boys? Uh, Who do you think who do you think took care of Job?" Well, he, I'm going to ask you a question, ladies. What would you rather have? Would you rather be sick yourself or would you rather take care of your sick husband? How many of you rather take, would rather be sick yourself? Look at that. You know why? Because men are horrible patients. <laughs> I was preaching one time and, and I said, you know, there's, there, there are no doctors that treat men's illnesses. There's doctors that treat ladies' illnesses, gynecologists and children's illnesses, uh, pediatricians. And I said, there's, there, are no, there, there are no men doctors. That's discrimination. We got home and my wife Brenda said, yeah, yeah there's, there's doctors that treat men. I said, what do you call they call called veterinarians. Well, that's another <laughs> <good one. laughs> So, you come to the end of the book of Job. We'll get there in about 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Uh, No. (laughs) And uh, Job had ten more children. God lists all the things that He gave Job twice. Uh, He doesn't mention no. I believe it's the same. I believe that woman stayed faithful to Him through all the... I can't prove that but when you get to heaven you ask her now and then let me know. Job was not a man of leisure. His life was an active, busy life. He was involved in civic duties, business, family, but Job did not neglect the thing that he himself says made him such a large figure in his day. Because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. Hey, that might be a good theme for a missions conference eyes to the blind and feet for the lame. It's interesting that the one God called the greatest of all the men of the East was not a pastor, was not a missionary, was not a preacher, not an evangelist, not a prophet. He was a wealthy successful businessman, a responsible citizen who considered it his duty to use his wealth and power and influence to help the less fortunate. He was not a politician. His goals were not motivated by desire for power, or personal wealth. He already had that. We don't see much of that in political figures of our day. With all that responsibility, Job did not neglect the most important responsibility that he had, helping the helpless. Instead of using his wealth to indulge in selfish pleasures, Job considered his most important job caring for the helpless. Job had learned a a vital life lesson. Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth to the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him yet again. That is selflessness. That's unselfishness. Maybe we could learn something from Job's example. Whatever God has given us much or little in terms of wealth or influence, he expects us to use it for his glory and for the good of those he wants to bless. God is not impressed by what we have. He is pleased when we use what we have to benefit others. God's blessings are not to be used for our own enjoyment. Or comfort or entertainment. There's nothing wrong with appropriate enjoyment or comfort or entertainment. It is when those things become the main emphasis of our lives that true riches and true blessings are diminished and ultimately lost. Hebrews 11:24. by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Notice it doesn't say that he refused to be called Pharaoh's son. He refused to be called Pharaoh's grandson. How many of you have grandchildren? Aren't grandchildren wonderful? I have eleven natural grandchildren, two of them married, so I count them. Is that fair? Is that fair? I think so. I don't care, I count them anyway. So, I have thirteen grandchildren and two great-grandchildren isn't it great? I have two rules concerning my grandchildren. Number one, I don't spank them. That's not my job. A grandfather is not genetically designed to spank grandchildren. My job is to spoil them, fill them with sugar and send them home. My second rule is I do not change diapers. My daughter in law, Ruth, left my grandson Addison with me one time for a few hours. When she came back, she picked him up and she said, Papa, my grandchildren call me Papa. In Spanish, that's Pope. I'm trying to get them to say excellence and, and that they don't catch on. She said, Is Addison's diaper dirty? I said, Yeah, the one on the inside is. I didn't say I don't put diapers on, I don't change them. There was no sense in my opening that diaper. He's already dirty. The purpose of the diaper is not to maintain, uh, keep him clean, it's to keep me clean. By the way, you know what diaper is spelled backwards? Repaid. Somebody had a sense of humor. Moses refused to be called... Pharaoh's grandson, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had recompense or had respect under the re- re- recompense of the reward. This reminds me of what Jesus said in Luke fourteen fourteen, and thou shalt be blessed for they cannot recompense thee for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the dead. We all think about how we will end up, especially when you get my age. I'll be 77 in May. How will retirement treat us? <laughs> I was in San Luis Potosi in a conference and uh, walked through the lobby of the of the hotel, and Brother Moore and uh, Mark Bachman were sitting in the lobby and. <laughs> Brother Moore was the director of FBMI, the missions agency that uh, we're under. So, in a sense, he was my boss. Now, Brother Moore never bossed anybody, but uh, I, I was responsible to him. So he said, uh, uh, Brother Ashcraft, how, how does it feel to be out, to be retired out uh, from under the pressure of the pastorate? And I said, Brother Moore, I never felt pressure. Pressure to the past. I love pastoring. It, it was never a pressure to me. The only pressure I ever felt was from guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, "How's reti- If this is retirement, I want to go back to work." But we all wonder how. What? How will we live out our days? How? How will retirement treat us? What kind of senior citizens' home are our kids going to stick us in? there's nothing wrong for preparing for the day when we cannot work and produce an income. We should be wise in making provision for our latter days, but don't you think it'd be a good idea to get God involved in our retirement programs? Doesn't matter how much you save or what you invest in, it can go away in an instant. And I'm telling you folks. And you've heard this. You know, we, we get the idea sometimes things are just going to keep going on like they are. It's going to come to a stop at some point. There's going to be a time, there's going to come a time when the only refuge you have is God himself. And what you have done for God with what God has allowed you to acquire Matthew 619 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God offers that which cannot be lost. The best investment that a child of God can make is in those who cannot recompense us. It is giving others the opportunity to know God as we know him. Job 29, 12, because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help him, the blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I for the lame." How did Job end up? Job 42.12 says, "'So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep." Check Job 1.3, that's twice as many. 6,000 camels, that's twice as many. 1,000 yoke of oxen, that's twice as many. 1,000 asses, that's twice as many. He also had seven sons and three daughters. God did not give him 20 children because Job did not lose his children. They're waiting for him in heaven. When my wife Brenda died, someone said, I'm so sorry for your loss. I said, I didn't lose anything. I know exactly where she is. Verse 16 says, and after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even four generations. And so Job died being old and full of days. Not too shabby, huh? (laughs) Might the Lord bless the latter end of Job more than his beginning? Because, because God God knew that Job would use what God had allowed him to acquire for those who could not recompense him. He had already done that. He had already lived a selfless, giving, generous lifestyle. Let me ask you a question. Is God, is God a respecter of persons? Would God treat Job one way and treat us another? It all depends on our willingness to use what we have to bless those who cannot recompense us. And the greatest thing that we can share with others is the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 1130, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that wins the souls is wise. Why is it wise to win souls? Why is it wise to give to mission? Why is it wise to send missionaries to the regions beyond? Why is it wise to work a bus route or teach a Sunday school class? Why is it wise to witness to someone who has little or no potential to add anything to our ministries? Because we are helping those who cannot recompense us. Your commitment to get the gospel to those who have never heard by sending missionaries to take them the gospel makes you become eyes to the blind and feet for the lame. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in exchange for what he cannot lose. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus gave the Great Commission. Why does world main, remain unreached? Why have more than 3 billion people never heard the name of Jesus Christ? And m- Probably that many more or more have never heard any kind of a gospel presentation. We have to look no further than ourselves. We're too consumed with our own welfare to the neglect of God's command to get, take the gospel to every creature. And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. God has blessed you and God has allowed you, allowed you to live on a level that very few people in this world have any idea about. There's nothing wrong with that. It is not your fault that the rest of the world does not live like you live. You've taken nothing from them. What I'm trying to say is the greatest thing you can do is do what Job did. I was eyes to the blind, feet for the lame. How will you end up? You ever read about Solomon? His biography is in Ecclesiastes 2. I, I, I think we'll go there. I'm, I'm almost through. Don't put your shoes on, but we're, we're almost through. I HOPE YOU'RE NOT ENJOYING THIS. ECCLESIASTES, ECCLESIASTES 2, I SAID IN MY HEART, GO TO NOW, I WILL PROVE THEE WITH MIRTH, THEREFORE ENJOY PLEASURE, AND BEHOLD, THIS ALSO IS VANITY. I MADE ME GREAT WORKS, VERSE 4, BUILD MY HOUSE, PLANTED MY VINEYARDS. VERSE 7, I GOT ME SERVANTS AND MAIDENS, HAD SERVANTS BORN IN MY HOUSE. Verse 9, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. What are mine eyes desired? I kept not from them. I held not my heart from any joy. Verse 12, I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and uh, and folly. But look at verse 17. After all this, here is the summation of Solomon's life therefore I hated life. Someone estimated that Solomon's personal income was $12 million, would be the equivalent of today's $12 million. Of course, that wouldn't go very far if you had to maintain a thousand women, but there it is. I don't know about you, I don't want to end up like that. I do not want to end up hating. I love life. I love my life. I love living. Brother Moore had me teach at pastor school one time how to be happy, how to be happy being a missionary. I said, Brother Moore, I'd, I'd be happy being anything. I'm just, I'm happy being me. Somebody asked me the other day, if you weren't you, who would you, who would you like to be? Now I got to thinking, if I, if I weren't me, who would I like to be? So I got to thinking, who, who would I like to be? Hey, if I weren't me, you know who I'd like to be? I'd like to be me. <laughs> I'm jealous of myself. <laughs> it's your choice. You can end up like Solomon, or you can end up like Job, who died an old man full of days, having seen four generations and having been eyes to the blind and feet for the lame. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.